Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Believe in Mets, the brand new New York Mets podcast here in on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Eddie Gardner. For those who do not know me, I am the runner of Raise the Apple, which is one of the largest New York Mets fan pages on Instagram and also a writer and editor on our Raise the Apple website where we post articles every day talking about the Mets. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about with these New York Mets. It is August 8th. We got 52 days, uh, 52 games left in the regular season, and I think it is it is time to start panicking a little bit about this team. The narrative has changed so much over the last 10 days uh, for the Mets. I mean, they went from four games in first place and around eight games over 500 to now two games over 500 and a game and a half behind the Phillies, the red-hot Phillies, winners of seven straight for first place in the NL East. They also are in danger of falling to third place behind the Atlanta Braves, who have also caught uh, caught fire over the last week. Um, You know, the last night, the Nationals beat the Braves, which saved the Mets um, from falling into third place and two and a half back, uh, or a game and a half back of the division uh, behind the Braves and the Phillies. So now I just want to talk about the last week about the, for, for this team and what has gone wrong. Let's start in Miami, where they lost three out of four last week to the last place Marlins. And while they were doing that, the, the Phillies were continuing their red-hot streak, and they swept the Washington Nationals to inch closer in the standings. So here's the main problem for this team. Actually, two main problems. In the first half of the season, the offense, while we all think right now the offense is horrible, they can't score, they're not, they're not driving in runs, they're not ca- uh, capitalizing with runners in scoring position, it's been like that all year. But that's been hidden by the fact that the pitching has been so good. The starting pitching staff between Stroman and Walker and DeGrom has been phenomenal. Um, but that has gone away in this second half of the season. Taiwan Walker has hit a wall, run into a wall over his uh, last, over his first three starts uh, since the All-Star break. He has an ERA well above nine, I believe, which has resulted in two losses uh, in his in, in his three starts. Marcus Stroman, he's been good. But he did struggle out of the you know his first two starts out of the break. Obviously, Degrom has not pitched in this second half, and so that has been leaving the Mets with a lot of TBAs, bullpen games, and that has depleted the bullpen and has really shown how poorly this offense actually has been because they are they are not able to be carried by that pitching staff. So now heading into Miami, that continued. They did not score runs at all. Against the last place Marlins, uh, they had one game where they left 15 runners on base, and they were one for six. They loaded the bases three times and were one for six with the bases loaded. That one hit came in the ninth inning 
of the third game of that series, I believe, where Brandon Jury hit a little dribbler back to, to, to shortstop. So the one hit they had with the bases loaded didn't even make it past the infield. That's how, that's how rough it has been offensively for the Mets. Now I want to talk about what went wrong in the first two games in the Phillies series. A lot of the same stuff. Offense was not getting the job done. But I have not been pleased with Luis Rojas. Now, I have said this so many times on Instagram and on the website that Rojas, he overmanages. He manipulates his lineup way too much, plugging in guys, taking out, a guy, taking out guys when he shouldn't be, taking out important hitters out of this lineup because of certain matchups, even though they're professional hitters. They should be able to hit everyone, especially guys like Jeff McNeil and, and you know, Dom Smith and Michael Conforto, and that has hurt the team so far in this Philly series. Let's, let's break it down. Let's start with uh, game one of that series where the Mets lost 4-2. to two. They had their streak of 90 straight days in first place snapped when they lost to, 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 to the Phillies on Friday. And here's what I had a problem with with Luis Rojas. So we're going to start it off with the decision to tell or the decision to tell Marcus Stroman to not swing with the bases loaded and nobody out in the fourth inning, I believe, of that game. So the Mets loaded the bases, a huge opportunity to take the lead. There were nobody out, and Marcus Stroman coming to the plate. Now, Marcus Stroman isn't the best hitter because he's been in the American League most of his career, but he isn't Bartolo Colon. He can swing the bat. He can put the ball in play, try to do something. Um, and he has a couple hits this season. Over his last few starts, he actually, actually has been swinging the bat better. Uh, Luis Rojas advised him to take three straight fastballs in the strike zone and strike out and sacrifice an out to avoid a double play. Now, my problem with that is even if Stroman does grounding to a double play, a run scores, and the Mets ended up not scoring that inning because Brandon Nimmo up next grounded into an inning-ending double play. So I would have way rather taken the risk of a double play with nobody out where a run scores than with one out to end the inning and no run scores. Now I know that's uh, uh you know it's not guaranteed that a run scores on a double play when when Stroman is out is up because he could hit it back to the pitcher and they throw it home or you know the infield could have been in but I don't think the infield was in actually. Joe Girardi had his infield playing in normal depth, maybe because they were going to concede a run. They didn't care about that run. They just wanted a double play with Stroman up. Now, Marcus Stroman could have done so much more. I feel like Luis Rojas could have gotten creative there. Um, he could have called for a squeeze. He could have just let Stroman swing the bat and try to put it in play and get a run in, hit a fly ball. Stroman is capable of doing that. He's not like, a, like I said, he's not like a Bartolo Colon where the only contact he'll make is a little chopper in front of home plate, or he's not going to swing and miss at three sliders out of the zone and lose his helmet. He, he's an athlete. He can put the ball in play, and that's what uh, Rojas should have done. The Mets ended up not scoring, and that was the difference maker because the Phillies went on to win 4-2. Um, so let's move on. Another thing I had a problem with with Luis Rojas in that game was when Alec Bohm let off uh, I believe the sixth inning with a triple. He let off the inning with a triple. Uh, so it was man on third, nobody out. Marcus. So what he did was he moved the infield in. 
I like that. I agreed with that. You know, try to get the runner uh, down at home um, and get an out. And what Marcus Stroman did was he struck out the next batter. He struck out the next batter. So what I would have done is I would have kept the infield in but not shift them like Luis Rojas did. Luis Rojas shifted his middle infielders closer to second base and left a hole that left that shortstop and second base hole open. And with Kyle Gibson coming at coming to the mound, Kyle Gibson, uh, just like Marcus Stroman, is an, was an American League pitcher his entire career. He just came over from the Rangers last week, so he's been in the in, in the American League, not hitting, not swinging the bat up until last week. So with him at the plate and one out, he hit a little ground, a soft ground ball through that open shortstop hole, and it led to a run. Um, if Rojas just left his middle infielders where they should have been, playing in on the grass, but you know, in between the shortstop and second base hole, that would have prevented a run, possibly even gunned out uh, Alec Bohm at home. But because they had him where they were, which was for some reason, uh, you know, hovering around second base, and that didn't happen, and the Phillies scored the go-ahead run there. So now my third and final thing I did not like in that game was the decision to bring in Edwin Diaz in the eighth inning in a 2-1 ball game. The Mets were down 2-1, and we all know Edwin Diaz is most comfortable in save situations in the ninth inning when, he's, when the team is leading. It is very rare to bring your closer for any team. It is very rare to bring your closer in the eighth inning when you're losing in a road game. And that's what Rojas did. Edwin Diaz has shown time and again that he is not comfortable. He is just not at his best in non-save situations. Um, He came in and he gave up a two-run home run to Bryce Harper, which put the game out of reach for the Mets. Now, a 4-2 ball game should not be out of reach, but with the way the offense has been playing, that was the case. And in the ninth inning... Uh, down four to four to one, Jonathan VR hit a solo home run, which made it four two. Would have been the tying run in the ninth inning, but because Diaz came in the eighth and gave it that two run home run, you know the home run by VR meant nothing. So that's what I did not like from Luis Rojas and his decisions in Game One. The next game, which was last uh, yesterday afternoon. He did some very similar stuff with his, you know, manipulating the lineup when he did not need to, overmanaging. You know, he stated in Miami that he sat Jeff McNeil one of those games so he could be well rested for all three games of this Phillies series. Now, McNeil over the last few weeks has been dealing with a little bit of leg fatigue. He's been in and out of the lineup over the last few days, but Rojas rested him so he could be ready for this big series in Philadelphia. But at the very last minute yesterday, he felt like Jonathan VR would have been a better matchup against the lefty pitcher Ranger Suarez for the Phillies, and he took McNeil out of the lineup. I don't agree with that at all. As much as I have loved the way that Jonathan VR has played this year, filling in for injuries and pretty much becoming an everyday player, you cannot take your best pure hitter out of the lineup in a huge series like this. Jeff McNeil can hit anyone. 
He's not one of those guys that struggles against lefties and dominates righties. He can hit anyone, lefty and righty. Um, I did not like how he told us. Uh, I did not like how Rojas told us that his plan to start McNeil all three games after resting him that one game in Miami and then pull him last minute in this big series. And then he also pulled, he sat down Dom Smith out of the lineup. Dominic Smith has been one of the best lefties, lefty hitters against lefty pitchers this season in the league. He has a 327 batting average against lefties this season. And he was taken out of the lineup because Ranger Suarez, lefty on the Phillies, was on the mound. And Ranger Suarez, he was their closer last week. So he is not stretched out at all to go deep into games. The Phillies have been working on him and, and slowly getting him in a rhythm to start more games and start longer after they acquired Ian Kennedy from the Rangers, their closer. Um, so Suarez, going into this game, he was not going to pitch more than three innings. And he didn't. He got taken out, I believe, in the fourth inning after 60-something pitches. So with with Suarez, who is a lefty, only able to pitch like a couple innings, I don't see the why it was necessary to take out McNeil and Dom Smith just because they're lefties. They were going to get, what, maybe one, two at-bats against this guy and then face the Phillies' bullpen the rest of the game. So I did not agree with that at all. And it came back to hurt this team again. I mean, obviously, even when those guys have been in the lineup, the offense has struggled. But they are two of the best hitters in this lineup, and they should be in there every single day because they gave this team the best chance to win. Um, and it's now not the blame is not all on Luis Rojas. As much as I have stated that I, I disagree with a lot of his decisions, the offense should be able to score more than two runs per game. Okay, this lineup on paper is absolutely stacked. There are multiple all-stars, multiple MVPs on this roster. They just acquired Javier Baez, who is an MVP winner, who is one of the best power hitters in the game, one of the best feelers in the game. That's a big move for them. Now, he hasn't done he hasn't been, you know, like a UNS Cespedes in 2015 for this for this team, but he has made a positive impact so far. He had a home run in his in his first game. And that helped the Mets get a win. You know, he he led the Mets to one of their victories in Miami, their their lone victory in Miami, losing after they uh, lost three out of four, where he had a beautiful slide going to home plate to avoid a tag, and then he hit the go ahead home run in the uh, ninth inning or the eighth inning, which put the Mets in the lead and gave them the win. He also has had some tough games where he went 0 for five. And five strikeouts in this in the series finale against Miami, he did have one of the very few hits last night for the Mets. Um, but this team should be able to score more than two point seven runs per game, which I think I think they are averaging two point seven four runs per game in this second half. Let me double check that. And actually, yeah. Uh, Anthony DeComo tweeted yesterday after the game, they're averaging 3.74 runs per game in the second half, which is just one of the worst in the league, right down there with Miami, right down there with Baltimore. So that's not what you want to see, especially with a lineup that has so much talent. You know, I cannot believe in uh, uh, on August 8th, Michael Conforto is batting 200 with seven home runs. Um, it's just... It is unlucky. It is really hurting this team. 
and they know what they need to do get, to get better. James McCann, I liked what he what James McCann said yesterday in the post game. You know, he said they don't need to check Twitter or listen to the radio or see on TV what they're doing wrong. They know what they're doing wrong. They got to have a sense of urgency. And he's right. I don't see any sense of urgency with this coaching staff, which with this team, uh, over you know, in this the entire season, pretty much, which is why they've struggled so heavily getting runners in to score. And I think that has a lot to do with the with the um, coaching staff. Hugh Quattlebaum, who is who took over as the hitting coach in May after they uh, surprisingly fired Chili Davis, has not made this offense any better. Uh, in that time since he's taken over. Chili Davis, of course, was fired in May after the Mets got off to a slow start of the season. Now, I do not agree with that decision at all to fire Chili Davis, and it's really showing right now because Quattlebaum has not fixed this offense. Chili Davis was one of the main reasons this team made such a strong push in the end of 2019 when they had one of the best offenses in the game. I think he is great for, for guys like Michael Conforto, great for J.D. Davis. They both loved working with him, and they were both at their best when they did work with him. And since, it has been a big struggle. Now, granted, both guys have been out of the lineup a lot this year with injuries, but they have had a good stretch where they've been healthy since the second half, getting at-bats almost every day. It has just not come around. So now, the Mets today will try to avoid a sweep, and also will try to avoid falling two and a half games back of the division and possibly the third place all depends on what the Atlanta Braves do as well against the Nationals. They lost to Washington last night, which kept the Mets in second place. And it's not going to be easy. Taiwan Walker, who has really struggled in his three starts in the second half, is on the mound facing a red-hot Phillies offense. And the Mets are going up against, in my opinion, the now the Cy Young Award uh, favorite in Zach Wheeler because of DeGrom's injury, which unfortunately will not allow him to qualify for that award, I believe. So it's not going to be easy. Zach Wheeler has been on such an incredible tear this season. He has an ERA uh, just over 2.50, and he is, you know, he's been red hot along with this Phillies offense. So it's not going to be easy for this team, for the Mets, who need to get it together if they want to make a playoff push. Um, you know, they were in first place for 90 straight days going back to May 8th. And it came to an end yesterday. I really think that if they want to get, if they want to, um, if they want to make a push this year, which they definitely can, they're sitting a game and a half back of the division, which is still wide open. They, I'm sure, they're going to have a sense of urgency now uh, that they lost first place. They really have to just get it going offensively because the pitching staff has been a little bit better the last few games. You know, they acquired Rich Hill. He's been decent. Marcus Stroman has been has returned to his first half self and was brilliant the other day in, in Game One against the Phillies, so he's going to be a big piece moving forward. Tyler McGill has been a big piece for this team so far this year. You know he got off to a really good start yesterday, um, but then was hurt by the long ball in the fifth inning, uh, courtesy of Brad Miller who got him twice. You know in that game and Letta and know kicked him out of the, the the game early so he's been a big piece he needs to get he needs to really take control there in his starts he's been impressive he needs to keep that going and it all depends on also when Jacob DeGrom returns he's obviously their MVP the MVP in the league when he is healthy 
He needs to come back. You know, Syndergaard has been rehabbing, uh, and he should be back, I believe, the first week of September. That's what they're going for. And then Carlos Carrasco has looked very good in his first few starts off the injured list. So the pitching staff is there to carry this team, but the offense needs to get, in, to get going. I think we all know that. They know that. Um, that's the bottom line with this team. So, so now I've been – I spent a lot of this episode – you know, ripping Luis Rojas to shreds with his decisions. Now, he has shown a lot of potential that he can be the leader of this team. Remember in May when everyone was going down with injuries and the Mets had a 17-9 and record in the month of May despite having a tr- basically a triple-A lineup in there with Khalil Lee, Dinesh Fargus, Cameron Mabin, Brandon Drury. They were winning ballgames. I liked what Luis Rojas did a lot during that stretch. He had he he created an, a very very strong next next man up mentality with this team, but since then is it has been downhill. And if he wants to keep his job, you know he has to stop overmanaging. And I think the front office believes in him. I mean, as a Mets fan, I definitely am going to continue to root for him because you know he's the Mets manager. As much as I've criticized him, I want him to succeed. I'm sure we all do. And I just saw on Twitter that Steve Cohen visited the players' clubhouse today in Philadelphia, and they're ready. He tweeted, quote, they are ready and in a good frame of mind for this game. It's good to see an owner like that really uh, take control with a big leadership role to get his team motivated, to get his team going. Um, But if, you know, they continue this downfall the rest of the season, the coaching staff has to be changed. You know, Steve Cohen, Sandy Ellison, and Zach Scott, I think they've done a great job in the front office putting a, putting a very strong roster together, but they were kind of stuck with this coaching staff. It was the only thing left over from the Van Wagenen, Wilpon regime in their last season. Obviously, we all know how Luis Rojas got the job after Beltran was let go following the Astros' science-stealing scandal, which I believe they should have given him a chance. Now, you see Alex Cora back managing a playoff team. A.J. Hinch is managing again has, and has done a fantastic job with the Tigers you know they're on the they're on the rebound I think they're going to be very good next year uh they're a couple games under 500 why can't you give Carlos Beltran a shot you know they obviously liked him in the interview process he was picked to manage this team uh but I feel like they were just pressured by the media because of the whole sign stealing scandal and they they were just forced to let him go which I feel like they should have they should not they should have given him a chance now if if they I believe what will really help this team is if that front office picks their own coaching staff. You know, they want to find, they should go out and find guys that they like, that they want, that they trust in, and that they handpick. Uh, I just think it, it could be time for a change if the Mets continue to downfall. So the Mets will be trying to avoid a sweep today against the Phillies. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see what Rojas does in game. Uh, you know, what the offense does because they've been so, uh, you know, just so inconsistent over the course of the second half. And we had, it's going to be interesting to see if Tywan Walker can get it together when this team needs him most. So thanks to all you new and old Mets fans out there. If you like the show, please subscribe and review on iTunes and help us hit this out of the park. So enjoy Mets baseball over the next few days. We'll see you next week. We'll be back next week, hopefully with another first-place Mets team.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.